0: Good morning, church. <clears throat> this thing need a bit of oiling. This morning it happened also. <clears throat> After the first service, <clears throat> somebody <clears throat> came and uh, asked, uh, "How come the?" Uh, give me a feedback, uh, or give somebody a feedback, and they say, "How come the service very long?" Huh? Then the next question is, "Who's the Who's the preacher?" Kelvin Lim. No, no, no. I only do 20 minutes. I got a KPI set by previous uh, PIC Melvin Huang. <clears throat> he said 22 minutes, that's all you need to preach. Anything longer than that, uh, you cut. So anyway, I'm not a professional preacher. I'm a, a local preacher here and uh, the professional are the ones in the collar. Uh, they are the ones who will do that <clears throat> uh, above 20 minutes. My previous zone leader <laughs> Uh, okay, if you've uh, been with him through First Corinthians, you will know Okay, Anyway, hello everyone, I'm Kelvin Lim and long time no see How have all of you been? Some of you will notice I have disappeared from the main service from the past few months That's true because I've been serving at Friends at Hub since the beginning, of, of middle of last year So it's about what, maybe 8 months since I uh, actually came into a main service uh, to serve here so, I want to thank our PIC Reverend Anthony Lee for inviting me to share God's word with you today. And if you haven't been to the hub, I'm also obligated to sell you some koyok. <clears throat> uh, come see us at the hub. Uh, first of all, parking is ample, uh, although it's not free. Maybe we will ask W and M to consider putting up a budget for parking. <laughs> sorry, sorry. LCC chair, don't kill me. <clears throat> okay. Anyway, let's go back to the sermon. Uh, Over the past two, three years of COVID-19, our PIC has led us to rethink our church strategic direction for the future. While the vision and the mission remains the same, to be a Methodist family after God's heart and to spread scriptural holiness across the land, the overarching theme until 2026 is God Calls. So this slide is courtesy of our PIC. We have done two years of Home with a Heart. And this year we embark on mission with the master. So to prepare us for this team, we are to know who God is before we can partner him in this mission. So my sharing today is part of the sermon series of Knowing God, attempting to explore various expressions of God as revealed in Scripture. The topic I'm assigned to do is God the Visionary Leader. <clears throat> the passage I've chosen comes from Book of Revelation, chapter seven and twenty one. Let us read them together. Shall we read them together? One, two, three, go. After this I looked, and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from every tribe, and people, and tongue. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who come from out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning all crying, all pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father, it is such a privilege to read your word again this morning, especially from this very last book of our Holy Bible. A book that very often we seldom touch. A book whose message is so clear, And yet, so important. Tells us about the things to come. Though we may be, though we may be in this point of eternity, help us, O Lord, to understand your glory, your vision this morning. In the name of your precious son, we pray. Amen. So when you hear the term visionary leaders, who do you think of? Barack Obama, Winston Churchill, Li Kuan Yu, or Gandhi. The world has seen many visionary leaders in its thousands of years of history, across domains, many domains and many expertise. In the ancient world, we know of Ramses II, Hammurabi, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Qin Shi Huang. In the more modern times, we heard of Napoleon Bonaparte, Abraham Lincoln. Hitler, Churchill, Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., Mao Zedong, Deng Xiaoping, and also our very own Lee Kuan Yew. Some of them have done well and brought progress to the people and the world, and others have left a bad mark in history. Many leaders, <clears throat> such as Aristotle, Einstein, Newton, Columbus, Shakespeare, led breakthroughs in the sciences and the arts. The discovery and works were the foundation to the many inventions and the conveniences we are enjoying today. I was trying to find inspiration for this introduction, so I asked someone this question, and this someone is my 12-year-old son. I asked him, what do you think is the greatest invention today? He answered without hesitation, the iPhone. This answer is not untrue, and I personally think that one of the greatest, one of the great visionary leaders of my generation is Steve Jobs of Apple. When I was growing up, I transited from landlines to pages to mobile lines, and I recall with fondness dialing numbers with the dial phone, and then the rectangle button ones. You know when we say dial a number, that's how, that's how the word dial come about. We had to dial, really dial. Two, then nine, then one, then something, right? All of you look very blur. Anybody have seen a dial phone before? In your time? Okay, have. uh. Kim, definitely. (laughs) Okay, there's a picture of a dial phone there. Then we transited to the rectangle one. Actually, it's a bit bigger. This is the smaller version with uh, square buttons. Uh, And then then we had pages. So, those days Singtel was called, guess, anybody know? Old name of Singtel? Calico. Correct. <laughs> very good. All of you can still remember <clears throat> history. Most people in the 1980s and 1990s had pages. I carried pages in my teen. Show of hands, who carried pages before? Wow. Okay, very good. Who never carried pages before? <laughs> never never see before. Okay. Uh, so, you tell, you can tell from first service and second service, uh, the percentage. <clears throat> so, pagers are very, um, very popular then. That was my first mobile device. Uh. And most of my secondary school friends had pagers. And in my, in my mom, if my mom wants me to call her, or my friends want me to call them back, they will dial a code on the phone, and my pager will beep. So, I go to the public phone, <clears throat> put in a ten cent coin, and then I call. Yes, mommy, what do you want? Like that, la. <clears throat> so, quiz number one. Eh? If you are a pager owner, does any one of you remember what does 07734 mean? <laughs> what? Much. <laughs> Come and tell us answer. 07734. Hello. Uh, if you type 07734, you turn it around, right? It's called hello. That was the first text message in our time. Eh? i give you another quiz, huh? Eh? One seven three one seven zero seven one. One seven dash three one seven zero seven dash one. I love you. Wow. <laughs> wow. Review all your ages. <coughs> okay, the first service cannot answer. <laughs> okay, that's true. One seven three one seven zero seven dash one. You turn it around is I love you. Or oh, short form we will put one four three lah. Because first alphabet, fourth alphabet, three alphabet. Ma. <clears throat> Mobile phones took off in the 1990s with the Motorola TAC <clears throat> or International 3200. Or we call it the Tai, tai <clears throat> Very big, bulky, very fashionable. Uh, if you watch Hong Kong movies, it always carried by the mafia or some rich businessman. I don't remember how big it was exactly, but I think maybe uh, one liter water bottle, slightly smaller than that. Quite big, really quite big. The later, the Taigot I later transitioned to the more popular Ericsson and Nokia phones. And those days, mobile devices were valued for being small, not bulky. The smaller, the more popular. And I confess that, you know, when you had small mobile phones, right, we go underneath the school, huh, in class we text, or we operate one hand when we drive. Those those days, lah, you can message exactly with. SMS with one hand. Every mobile device then had buttons. Today, all our mobile devices got no buttons on the screen. And we can only call, SMS, or play the snake game on it. But in 2007, Apple's founder and CEO, Steve Jobs, introduced iPhone Generation 1. Full-color, flat touchscreen touchscreen one home button. That really defined or redefined the word phone to what we hold in our hands today. Now, we call, we text, we email, we do social media, we YouTube, we Netflix, we perform banking transactions, we invest money on this equipment called the phone. You may not have been born knowing mobile devices as it is today, but if you think about For my generation And my parents' generation That was not our understanding of the phone Until 2007 Everyone was raved about Nokia Apple is a computer company And Samsung had button phones that nobody wants Most of us had a Nokia phone A 3.5mm jack earpiece That acts as a earpiece and a radio antenna Radio, yes, radio Not Netflix, not Spotify Radio then Steve Jobs had many naysayers, they didn't think he would succeed. But after iPhone Gen 1, he continued with more iPhone models. Samsung launched their Galaxy phone three years later, and the rest became history. <clears throat> and judging by today's standards, Steve Jobs is right. And Apple is one of the most valuable companies in the world today. You see, visionary leaders need not be political or militarized. The list of defining the who's who's or top visionary leaders in history can go on and on. I, and I did a lot of research online trying to form a definitive list of visionary people. But somehow everyone had a different view. Some people on the list are more common than the others like Martin Luther King Jr., the black American pastor who fought for equal rights for the black people and others are totally left out. For example, Nobody had a list of Lee Kuan Yew on the internet. So I suppose everyone's list would be different because it is a composite of who you are and by whom you are influenced by or impressed with. To my generation and older, we are indebted to Lee Kuan Yew. My kids and our kids, they are indebted to the guy who invented the iPhone. God is known in many ways. Find many names. He is Father, Spirit, Judge, Counselor, Deliverer, Comforter, Defender, Refuge, Redeemer. He is the Healer, Provider, Shepherd, the Most High, the Everlasting, the Almighty, the Peace. But the term visionary leader was never ever applied directly to God in the Bible. Even though God had created the largest movement the world has ever seen. Jesus never appeared as an influential or a visionary leader on the internet. Often the men, typical mention of Jesus in the news or the public arena is probably degrading, condescending, or even cynical. So how should we assess if a person is indeed a visionary leader? How do we how can we say that Jesus or God is a visionary leader? What would be the definition? How should we refer to a Times Magazine list or a Forbes list? These are short-sighted views. When our founding Prime Minister, Lee Kuan Yew, passed away, his grandson in the, in the memorial service recounted an experience when someone suggested a monument to be made for Lee Kuan Yew. And LKY, which is a short form for Lee Kuan Yew, reminded the person of the poem Ozzy written by Percy Shelley. 18, Now Osimendias is the Greek name of Ramses II, the greatest pharaoh of the Egyptian Empire who reigned in the 12th century BC. Historians regard Ramses II as the greatest, the most celebrated, the most powerful pharaoh of Egypt. The majority of the Bible scholars suggest that Ramses could be pharaoh himself mentioned in Exodus. Now, this guy loved to build temples and monuments for himself. And in the poem, there was a traveler who chanced upon a broken statue in the desert. On the broken statue, there was an inscription at the bottom of the statue. It wrote, My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. My name is Ozzy meaning he's Ramses II, a great pharaoh. Look at all the work that he has done and try to outdo what he did. But the traveller looked around him and saw nothing remain. It was known that Lee Kuan Yew did not favour a monument to be built to honour him. LKY's reference to Ozzy was to say that if Singapore does not succeed, on monument of LKY or Lee Kuan Yew will be unnecessary, but if Singapore does succeed, a monument of Lee Kuan Yew will be unnecessary. His grandson said, "The assessment is accurate. His grandfather's legacy is not cold stone, but a living nation." And I think Lee Kuan Yew is right. The best way to assess if a one if a person is a visionary leader will be through his work, and if that work lasts. Throughout the poem, Ramses II, his pride is evident. However, the poem tells us that even the most powerful will be bought low, their name forgotten, and monuments buried in the sand. All rulers, dynasties will eventually crumble, because nothing can withstand the test of time. Nations rise, nations fall, Famous and infamous people come and go. But Christianity, despite persecution, oppression, toil, and pain, God continued. Bible continued. The church today continues. Over years, decades, centuries, thousands and millions and billions of people have come to know of the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I say it is the largest movement the world Has ever seen. Many people denies, strongly denies that the world is created by our God. But no one can deny the fact that more than 30% of the world today profess that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe many seated in this congregation here testify of his goodness, testify of his love and his realness in your lives. God's legacy is not an empty tomb. It is not a town of Bethlehem. It is not Temple Mount nor the Holy Sepulchre, or anywhere some of you visited during the Holy Land tours. God's legacy and His temple and His worship, it is in us, in you. You are God's best work, God's monument, not a closed stone like a statue, but living stones like what Peter said, a spiritual house, a witness to God's goodness and His work. What is this grand vision that God had? In August 2019, I preached on the subject of the mission of God based on the book written by OT scholar Christopher Wright. I shared that mission and evangelism is not simply founded on a bunch of verses or chosen passages. It is not a sudden idea that God thought of to fill our already busy Christian lives. Let me refresh your memory with this slide. And if you want to listen to the sermon, again, you can check out amkmc.org.sg. Now in this first slide, I showed us the Bible narrative in a simple timeline format from the call of Abraham to Exodus to Israel to Jesus becoming the missionary, his life, his death, the birth of the church, the church commission in Matthew 28, and the church sent out in Acts chapter 1, 8 to the ends of the earth. And finally, ending in Revelation 7 and 21. I show you that God had intended for a fully biblical world from the beginning of time. He created the world perfect. He intended the world to be perfect. But sin came. But He called Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. He called Israel in the Old Testament to be an example to the to the people around them in the Canaan country. He sent Jesus to be born and died. He birthed the church so that we may be redeemed for Himself. The Bible is therefore proof that God has purposefully, strategically, and passionately worked to restore the world to Himself. God's grand purpose, His grand vision is not by the way. When you read of all the great episodes in the Bible, all the doctrines of our faith, they will all converge around the Bible's central character, that the whole Bible is a record, a product, and a witness of the mission that God undertook to bring us to the glory land described in the book of Revelation. Revelation tells us in the end, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, a great restoration, a great jubilee, A great reconciliation, a great recreation, a great reunion, where the kingdom of God, a new Jerusalem will come, a place of biblical justice and liberty, a place where there is no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, a place where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, a place where God will dwell among his people, and we can enjoy God forever. This is the heaven. This is the kingdom of God. This is the vision that God declared in the Bible. I don't know how you are this weekend, but I had a very stressful and tiring time since the CNY long weekend. Have you had this experience where you tried to pray or play a song And everything felt like it was flying over your head. It just don't hit you. I had had that experience. And my best moment this week was at cell group. In our worship, I finally felt reconnected to God. And the song we sang is like a prayer asking God, Please, may I stay by your side? Please, may I just dwell in your presence? There is no place I'd rather be but in your house to worship, and to love you with all my heart. The lives we lead has its troubles, money, relationship, love, friendship, things that we want, things that we desire, we don't get, things that we don't want keep coming back at you. We act strong, we smile, we put up a front even among Christian friends, among family members. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. I'm fine. We endure it. Sometimes we just want to cry and all we need is not another sermon, another teaching. All we need is to have God stay by our side. Our lives today is not God's vision for us. You heard This morning that I shared that it is not God's, this is not God's end game. Salvation brings us into the kingdom of God. The church in its imperfection gives us a taste of the final heaven. But God is not done with us yet. God is not done with his work yet. And until that day, we must believe and hold on to the hope that we will celebrate a day where we will breathe the air of heaven. A day where pain is gone. A day where God will wipe away all our tears. A day we will see Him face to face. There will be this day when together with a thousand generations of Christians, heroes of our faith, people from every tongue and tribe will cry out and worship Him. It will be a grand party. Save the date. I want to be there and I hope you will be there. Let us pray.